Hello, you're listening to The 30 Minute Expert, the podcast that aims to make you an expert on a chosen topic in 30 minutes. And this episode aims to make you an expert on anxiety. Anxiety is a persistent feeling of worry, fear or nervousness. Many people feel anxious at times, especially when faced with stressful events or changes to our lives. And it's a natural human response when we perceive that we are in danger. However, if these continuous feelings of anxiety impact your ability to carry out life as normal, you could be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. According to Mental Health UK, over 8 million people in the UK may be living with an anxiety disorder. That's over 1 in 10 of us. Here to help us understand more and to try to make you an expert on the topic is Lisa Skeffington, consultant psychotherapist, advanced hypnotherapist, anxiety expert, mentor and author. Hello, Lisa. Hello, James. Thanks for having me on here. As the introduction says, you are an uh, anxiety expert, but perhaps you could shed a little light on what that means and how your expertise has put you in the driving seat for us today. Uh, So I help women uh, predominantly and teenagers feeling anxious and overwhelmed to find their power through self-love so that they can feel relaxed, happy and secure within themselves. I tend to specialise a lot um, in inner child uh, therapy, which tends to have an awful lot to do with people struggling with anxiety. Not always, but as a general rule, I find that's, that tends to be a pattern. First thing to say, really, is that anxiety is, some degree of anxiety is, is very normal. You know, it's a very normal response to life challenges, to feel worried, to feel stressed about things at times. Um, obviously, it's the degree to which we feel that and, and how often and how long we're feeling that way that determines whether anxiety is a, is a healthy response or whether it's something that, is, um, that could do with a little bit of help um, to, to keep it in check. Um, so the best way to describe anxiety is that it's a kind of a feeling of a dread. It's something that is often, it's kind of beyond, beyond worry, you know, just the odd worry that comes and goes. It's a kind of unexplainable dread you kind of feel afraid and powerless and sometimes confused. You don't really understand why, but it's just like there's this nagging that something isn't quite right, that seems to be tapping into a sense of your personal security, your personal safety. It's a perception of a threat, if you like, in in some way. Um, And this perception of threat triggers um, a fight-flight response within us, which goes back to a survival mechanism from sort of cavemen times, really, you know, where, you know, if we, um, if we perceive that there is, there's a threat, um, our body will then release um, adrenaline and cortisol to, to be more prepared to, to fight that, um, that threat. So that, that would, that would mean sort of physical um, reactions with, within the body so that you could either, as a caveman, you could either, either stand and fight or you could run for the hills to, to get away from, the, from whatever threat it might be. We don't have many saber-toothed tigers around these days. So, you know, very often the, 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 the threat that we perceive um, is, is often out of proportion to how it actually is in reality. But the difference between the conscious and the subconscious mind is that the conscious mind is the logical reasoning part and the subconscious mind is the very emotionally kind of driven part. And that doesn't have that logical reasoning capacity that the conscious mind does. And an anxiety response is triggered from within the subconscious. 
anxiety can, can often come about, I've found, due to a conflict between the head and the heart. So it can be that the head wants one thing, the heart wants another. So you can you can end up with that scenario of, you know, I want to, but I can't. You know, I have to, but I can't. Um, and it's a real kind of tussle that can go on inside that, that, that again, creates this perception of, of insecurity, this perception of, of threat in some way. Does that make sense? It does. And when you say the head and the heart, you know, it, it's very easy to think of that as being emotionally driven. But you also mentioned things like the release of adrenaline. So if you had the equivalent of an X-ray or an MRI or something where you could actually see, you can actually see a physical change somewhere. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it is firing the the synapses within the with within the brain. You know, the the body is firing up a lot more in in preparation to either fight or to run away. Um, so the physical symptoms that somebody might experience are any physical symptoms that you could ordinarily have that are to do with um, general stress and 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 fear churning stomach or or an upset stomach sort of, um, sort of feeling of butterflies in, in our stomach your heartbeat beats faster um, your breathing typically becomes a, a lot more shallow we tend to breathe to our chest when we're in an anxiety response um, and and that's uh, that shallow breathing helps us to, to to respond much more quickly to any perception of of threat again going back to the innate survival response from from you know caveman times um it, you get uh changes in in temperature so the the body can be um you know you you can sweat a lot uh, when you feel anxious um some people feel very cold and get very shaky um your voice can can be very um sort of jarred and you know your, your pitch of your voice can go up and down um a lot of people even feel a kind of a tightening in, in their throat as they're trying to talk. Um, some people have twitching. <laughs> That's a, 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 it's like a release within the nervous system, really. Um, so you have these physical displays. Um, you can you can feel dizzy, obviously, because your 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 heartbeat's changing, so your, your blood pressure's changing. Um, and many people suffer with with insomnia as well. And the reason people tend to suffer with insomnia is that, you know, during the day, we'll often try and ignore an anxiety response, you know, because we're, we're, we're trying to get things done very often. Um, but then what happens is when we are then um, going off to sleep or trying to go off to sleep and we're trying to, to rest down, the mind will then start releasing things that it's that we've managed to keep a lid on then during the day. Um, and this often happens in, in the case of um, malsomnia, where people can get off to sleep, but then they'll typically wake up about two, three, four in the morning. And that's where obviously their conscious mind sleeping, but their subconscious mind never sleeps. You know, your subconscious mind is regulating your heartbeat, your digestion, your cellular regeneration, and so on. So whatever you have stored down within the deeper part of your mind that is causing some some agitation, some feeling of dis-ease, it's going to raise its head when your conscious mind is kind of looking, looking the other way, so to speak, so that, um, it, so that that angst can be released to try to bring your, your body back into balance again, into what we call homeostasis, where the two sides of your nervous system are, are more balanced. I can imagine that must be like a self-perpetuating cycle then as well, because you then go into the next day being tired, 
being perhaps feeling anxious about the fact you haven't slept and then as you start to suppress that into the day it's it's kind of building and just creating a, a cycle Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and very often, you know, people can't get back to sleep in the night and then they start worrying about how it's going to impact them on, you know, on the next day. And then it becomes even harder for them to try to get back to sleep. You know, so, you know, it's it it's really worthwhile, um, you know, in, investing in, in in some in some proper help, really, to be able to really get on top of of the anxieties of the thoughts and beliefs that are bubbling around that are that are creating that continual cycle so that you can actually feel that you can get some control for yourself. Um, so mentally, when you are uh, struggling with anxiety, you will tend to find that your brain fogs a lot. Your concentration can be um, quite difficult to maintain. Your mind is racing very often, so your thoughts are dashing all over the place. Um, people very often get into um, sort of overthinking. You know, they... A lot of anxiety is, or most anxiety, is actually future-based. It's not really based in the present time. You know, there's lots of sort of what-if scenarios running through in the mind. Um, and, you know, one thought leads to another thought, and people kind of, you know, spiral then in their thinking. And, you know, this constant, you know, overthinking in, in, in their mind is a, is a very, very, um, or can feel a very difficult thing to actually escape from, you know, to try to close down that part of your mind so that you can rest. One, th- one thing I would say as well, actually, is that women tend to struggle a lot more with anxiety with men. You see, men do have anxiety as well um, sometimes, but more often than not, um, women tend to suffer a lot more with anxiety for the simple reason that women tend to try to understand their feelings by going within themselves and thinking everything through over and over again, which exacerbates that whole overthinking process. Uh, whereas men will tend to get a lot more physical and they will tend to discharge um, anxiety and stress through, through sports or through you know, just, just getting on with something practical that then allows that, that kind of worry to begin to, to ease the causation of it we can see the physical and the scientific behind it but how every single person reacts to it is completely unique completely personal and very subjective experience for everybody absolutely yes it is yeah 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 because we we're all reacting from our own experiences in life experiences are logged within the subconscious mind and they then create various triggers for us various perceptions of of what is okay for us and and what isn't so say, for example, someone's in a, in a situation, they're not too sure how to handle it. it. The mind is very much like like Google. We only get out of it what we put in. And it's all about the quality of the questions. So, you know, if, if we're asking our, our mind, why am I feeling like this? You know, why am I feeling scared about taking that flight? Or why am I think, feeling anxious about meeting these people today? Your mind will start to search for other times that you felt unsure when you were traveling or when you were, um, you know, meeting people and it will bring up all those experiences of when you felt bad and that then again spirals you down. So the brain doesn't default to a point of reassurance and reminding you of all the times when it's gone well? Not at all. Not at all. No, not, not unless you, you consciously direct it that way. The thing is, most people, when they are anxious, they will tend to say things like, you know, why am I feeling this way? You know, you know, what's what's wrong with me? 
you know, we tend to naturally be quite hard on, on, on ourselves. And that, that really doesn't help us. You know, we, we tend to kind of spiral with that because we get caught up in all the, all, all the negative reasons why. What if you haven't actually had negative experiences in the past or is it generally that anxiety is related to life experiences or big change or circumstances in your past, either subconscious or, or consciously, as opposed to this being a hereditary or genetic thing? Is it, is it usually related to things from your past that haven't gone well? I would say yes. Um, you know, there is always the, the, the nature-nurture debate. Uh, anxiety tends to be more of a learned behaviour, really, that comes through um, thought processes, beliefs, you know, and that's very much to do with um, messages that we have received and internalised uh, since childhood, um, and also due to um, experiences that we haven't been able to make sense of, some trauma in some way. You know, I see an awful lot of um, um, kind of shaky foundation in childhood that can create um, anxiety, this kind of free-floating anxiety that something isn't quite right um, because it's it's like building, you know, a foundation on, on, on that's a bit shaky on sand rather than on solid on solid ground. So there's always that little bit of a nagging. There's always that little bit of an alert, and it can be triggered then by by everyday experiences that have some association to something that the mind tried to make sense of in the past. Maybe things that didn't quite get get closure. And can that be? a slow build throughout life that kind of spikes years later as opposed to something that affects you from that moment onwards or, or can it lay dormant for a long time? Um, it can lay dormant for, for a long time. It's, it's not uncommon for there to be anxiety around um, at some point and then it, it goes um, and then you might have um, a, you know, a particular experience in, in life that is distressing that might be that could have nothing to do with the kind of anxiety you, you experienced before, but it it could trigger um, a heightened anxiety response. Say you have someone who who was a child um, was in, was you know witness to to an intense argument, let's say, between their parents, um, and maybe they felt that at the time, you know, as a, as a as a youngish child, they couldn't really do anything about that, and they couldn't make sense of it, so they would feel confused. Um, it could be, for example, they might look around and see, let's say, they see some mushrooms growing on, on the side of the yard or in the garden, okay, and the mind then gets confused in a heightened state. So, if the mind and body are in a heightened state, it can um, absorb something else and associate that to the feeling so um it could be that without realizing it a fear then got planted that was to do with the parents but actually it got sort of um transferred onto the mushrooms and then it lays dormant within within the mind for a long time then maybe say fast forward 20 30 years let's say someone's in a say they're in a lunch meeting nothing to do with any uh, you know past experience um but the person may be feeling particularly stressed about that and the mind then starts searching you know how do i deal with this this stress this fear that this might not happen that i might lose my job you know that we might lose millions of pounds if this deal doesn't come off and suddenly the waitress brings a plate of food 
and it's steak or mushrooms, the mushrooms can trigger an intense anxiety attack. And, you know, it would be natural for the person to think, well, goodness me, where does that come from? And it's that it's it, sometimes, you know, when you look at these things with some intervention, it can then go back to something as simple as misplaced anxiety, misplaced fear at a time of of, of being in a heightened state. It's interesting you mentioned phobias and you also mentioned uh, sort of stressful situations as well. Um, and I suspect you're going to tell me that labels are probably quite damaging uh, in this. But in terms of stress and depression and anxiety, are these all related? Are there lines drawn between the, the, the two or the three? And can you have one without the other? Um, I think it's a really valid point um, about labels, really. You know, um, yes, they can be helpful in extreme cases of, of, of mental health to help with, with a very set, you know, program of, of treatment. But even then, there's still a lot of, of, of argument um, against that, that it can cause an awful lot of uh, limitation. Um, it can affect how people see themselves, how other people see them as well. I certainly help people to to tear down labels, you know, and to really get back to to a human sort of understanding that we all wobble sometimes, and it's okay, it's normal to wobble sometimes. And when it comes to kind of managing anxiety and i don't want to for one minute suggest it's as simple as saying what's the cure what's the way of helping it or managing it but what evidence is there to suggest that medication can be beneficial medication is is popular <laughs> um uh, i mean in the uh, the mental health foundation statistics show that um in the uk 61 million antidepressants 61 million antidepressants uh, were handed out in 2015. So that's five years ago. That's the latest stats that are available. Um, and that's a 107% increase since 2005. And, you know, that's really people looking, you know, medication is really about people looking for an external quick fix solution to take an external course of, course of tablets to, to help your body find its way back to balance is to ignore the message from deep within yourself that either the way you're thinking or the way you're living your life is out of balance in some way. Um, you know, antidepressant medication can be helpful in the short term if you are really spiraling to help you to just calm things down. But again, the best treatment is to invest in yourself and get some, get some help because you'll be understanding yourself and empowering yourself much more to, to, to live your life that's much more in line with 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 your needs really anecdotally uh, we hear about people crediting exercises like running or jogging uh, as a help with their anxiety i mean i know you mentioned levels of adrenaline i don't know if that's related uh, people have also mentioned about a relationship between diet and anxiety are these relationships that that are proven there is there's a lot of uh, research to show that if you if you do exercise it is helpful for you because you are releasing um, those those stress toxins you're you're processing them through your body uh, quicker. Um, a lot of people um, again they tend to they will tend to run um, jogging running as a means to try to escape their feelings and that can backfire as well in the in, in the in the long term. But if you keep running within within um, sensible limits, um, 
it is it it is good for you if you could do um any any kind of of exercise really even just getting outside getting some space around you getting getting out in nature just going for a lovely walk can help you to 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 get a a sense of uh balance in the in the short term speaking of balance you know a healthy balanced diet is very important to keep the body and mind in balance you know you want to keep your blood sugar stable you want to avoid stimulants and additives um, you know, carbs and sugars can give short-term uh, relief, but they do tend to create a kind of a um, peak and trough um, kind of cycle, really, the um, hypoglycemic cycle where the you know the body's running too much on on sugar, so it you know it then has to release insulin to 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 get the blood sugars back to a natural level, which then creates lethargy, and then people want to eat more carbs and, and, and more sugar and of course carbs are also um you know there's a lot of um uh sort of research on carbs being um serotonin uh, releasing as well which which can lift, help to lift your mood um but really the more the more you can keep your diet healthy and balanced then the, the more that will help you with with anxiety levels can someone who's experienced anxiety long term ever be free from it or can they just hope to manage it? No, absolutely. I am living proof that you can overcome anxiety. I used to have crippling anxiety when I was a teenager as a result of a lot of violence when I was growing up. Um, and it went through till I was um, 30 till I had my first child. Um, and, you know, over overcoming anxiety is really about um, healing any trauma from the past and clearing um, unhelpful thoughts and belief processes that take away that conflict within you. You know, when you when you know that you can handle any situation that life throws you, there's no place for those what if scenarios because any what if you know you can respond with, well, so what if that happens? I'll do this. There's that you know, you'll know that there's always a way to to find your way through. So, yeah, absolutely. You do. You you can 100 percent overcome anxiety. You, you just need to get the right help to do it. You talk about finding that help. Um, what can a friend or a partner of someone who experiences anxiety say or do to be the most helpful or useful to that person? OK, so. You know, if you're if you're living with somebody who's got anxiety, um, I get completely <laughs> that it can be very frustrating. You know, and you can feel as if you're a man and you're living with with a woman. Obviously, it's not always this way, but we we'll use this scenario because you know um, this. Uh, I tend to help a lot more women than men, as I've said. So, it would be a very normal response for you to feel frustrated and to, and to you know to question you know that you don't know you don't know what best to do. You don't know how to help her and you and you sure don't understand what's going on. So I would say the first thing that you could you could do, you could understand would be to realize that it's not something that you can fix. It's not something that needs, um, you know, a quick solution. Um, you know, men like to try to fix things if they possibly can. You know, it's, it's, it's great. You know, it's, it's the way that men are. Um, and. And we as women really do appreciate that. Uh, but when anxiety is there, you can't just fix it. You can't just say, well, fine, just do that then. 
you know um what women need in those moments is to be held in that emotion to to seek to understand i would say to to gently you know probe to gently ask questions that will help her to contain her her emotions to begin to to see her way through in a in a gentle way um you know if if you're asking simple questions to try to help her to home in on what she's specifically worried about and then begin to maybe guide her to see well is it true you know with socratic questioning you know is is it true how's it true you know and to begin to gently tease that kind of reasoning through her whilst you are holding her in her emotion and really showing her that you're trying to understand and not fix so you said before that sometimes what may be causing this is kind of the brain only giving you the recollections of when this has been bad or problematic in the past is it fixing it to remind a person of all the times it's gone well is that helpful or is that is that technically still just trying to fix it yes that's definitely being being helpful um it's that's the kind of statements that that they are really helpful after you've held her in her emotion for even for a few minutes and you know helped her to feel that you understand that she's feeling fearful that she's feeling irrational you know that she's just needing for it to be okay for her to feel that way first and then to gently point out the evidence that it's okay that the fear the fear isn't justified but to do it in a way that that allows her to gently see that for herself and again this is where you know it comes back to you know if someone's feeling that way there's something that's been created that's lodged within the subconscious a bit like dirt in a wound that is bringing up a perception of a threat a perception of of a threat to personal safety to security and no intellect no rationale is going to break through that the only way you can break through that is through a therapeutic intervention to allow that to be healed and and cleared Lisa I want to say thank you for your time and for your expertise but also for your openness and honesty and to be so open about your life as well so I really really appreciate that um Lisa Skeffington is a consultant psychotherapist advanced hypnotherapist anxiety expert mentor and author uh, and your book anxiety we need to break up uh, is aimed at young women is that right yes that's right I published a book last year uh, my book's aimed at young women um in their mid to late teens um I help uh, families teenagers um, and their parents to ease emotional stress and communicate better so they can function better um, you know uh, I'm, I'm very I'm very happy to share um, a little bit about me you know it, it, it helps um, uh, women especially to to be comfortable to be more comfortable in in, in their own vulnerability when they realize that it's it's a it's a really normal reaction sometimes to life's stresses and there's so much that that they can do to help themselves to to move through it in a very gentle but empowering way um in fact i have a new program soon to be launched that's especially uh for women who have experienced trauma um in childhood um in in some way too and uh people can find out more about uh, what i do if they're interested to know more about me and and how I can um, offer 
help and support to women and uh, families struggling with anxiety and emotional stress at lisascaffington.com. Is there anything else we've missed that an expert should really know about? Uh, well, I would just, I'd probably like to just bring up the idea of low self-esteem, really, because low self-esteem definitely stops people in need of help, in need of real support, um, investing wisely and properly in themselves. And you know what? It's because they don't believe that they are worth spending a reasonable amount of money on themselves. They'll spend it on those they love. They'll spend it on material things um, to try to make them feel better, which can often just be short-term, you know, sh- um, short-lived, short-term gain. Um, but really, in all honesty, that's just a limiting belief. And limiting beliefs are at the core of feeling anxious. So really, the absolute best that anyone can do for themselves who's struggling with anxiety is to not struggle on alone. Don't try, you know, endless self-help for years um, where things just don't really improve. You know, it just eats back at your self-esteem because you end up just feeling powerless and and hopeless and and, and unable to move your life forward. But to get quality help. You know, there are different types of um, talking therapy available, which is kind of an entry-level sounding board. But really the best investment that you can make is to combine dynamic psychotherapy with advanced hypnotherapy and then get some mentoring and coaching to help you in many cases to implement some lifestyle changes. And that will then move your life forward so that you can overcome trauma um, and clear anxiety for yourself and get on with enjoying your life as you deserve to do. Thank you very much, Lisa. If you'd like more information, uh, Lisa has free resources and specialist consultancy uh, for women and families in emotional crisis at lisaskeffington.com. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to The 30 Minute Expert, the podcast that aims to make you an expert on a chosen topic in 30 minutes. You can get information on new episodes uh, on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search 30 Minute Expert. That's three zero minute expert. And you can also suggest topics for future podcasts. Just let me know what you'd like to become an expert at in half an hour or less.